Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Catherine Ingram. The following is excerpted from a session of Dharma Dialogues held in Lennox Head, Australia in October of 2019. It's called A Tremor in the World. You may also want to check out our upcoming events from Melbourne and Hobart in November of 2019, our five-day retreat in New Zealand in April 2020, and our 10-day retreat in Italy starting in late October 2020. My friend Liz in Chicago sent this to me recently. It's called Small Kindnesses by Danusha Lameris. I've been thinking about the way when you walk down a crowded aisle, people pull in their legs to let you by, or how strangers still say bless you when someone sneezes, a leftover from the bubonic plague. Don't die, we are saying. And sometimes when you spill lemons from your grocery bag, someone else will help you pick them up. Mostly we don't want to harm each other. We want to be handed our cup of coffee hot and to say thank you to the person handing it, to smile at them and for them to smile back, for the waitress to call us honey when she sets down the bowl of clam chowder, and for the driver in the red pickup truck to let us pass. We have so little of each other now, so far from tribe and fire, only these brief moments of exchange. What if they are the true dwelling of the holy, these fleeting temples we make together when we say, here, have my seat, go ahead, you first, I like your hat. So I often speak about gratitude being one of the open secrets of happiness. And another open secret of happiness, of course, are these small kindnesses, both in the receiving and in the giving. Right? It's amazing how when there is that little moment with someone in a day, just out and about. It's it's possible that it can make the difference for someone in terms of their perhaps dark mood, but it's also great for you, right? It's also great for you because in a moment of offering kindness, It's a kindness to yourself. So for instance, as an example, well, I'll back up. My brother, I have a brother who died at the age of 38. He had a hard life, my brother. He had a very hard life and he was sort of dysfunctional in the world. He um, couldn't quite get it together, although he was one of the smartest people I've ever known, but he just couldn't really function. And so he was reduced to really hard jobs and he couldn't even hold his difficult job for long. Um, So a couple of times in his life, he was a phone solicitor, you know, having to just call cold call random people who don't want to be called. 
And so he, he was always struggling with depression in one form or other. And he would just be beleaguered at the end of a day of having people hang up in him or cuss him out. And with a very, very tiny percentage of anyone ever being kind, let alone buying whatever it was he was trying to get them to do, change their phone plan or whatever it might have been. But, and as I would be very aware of his daily difficulties, it induced in me a, a very strong intention to always be really kind to phone solicitors. <laughs> They're not in a plum job. That's not their dream job, right? So I usually, whenever somebody's, and here it doesn't happen as much, thankfully. It doesn't happen that much here. It happens a lot in America. But when I was living in America, and that, that was certainly the case, I would always say, you know, I think you're probably going to be better off going to the next person because I'm really happy with my phone plan. And then they might go on a few more. They might look at their talking points and try to talk me into it. And I'd kind of hang in and just say, no, really, I really hope you're going to do well on the next person. Um, but like that, just take an extra moment to speak to a human being who's maybe having a hard time, maybe a rough life, possibly. And that applies out there, actually, in general, because frankly, we're in rough times. We still live in glorious privilege here, but we're all feeling it too. There's a tremor running around the earth, running around the world, right? We're not oblivious to what's happening. So even those who are in privilege have, will have the ordinary difficulties of living in a body in a, in a, a world of uncertainty, right? The ordinary privileges. One of our friends a week ago was hiking in Yellowstone and fell into one of the boiling hot pools and has now burned over 50% of his body and he's in critical condition. So even in circumstances where you're, you're theoretically there to have a good time, horrible things can happen. But we all probably are sensing that very, very hard things are happening for lots of people in the world now. And, you know, it's that famous line, be kind for everyone you meet is carrying a huge burden. And even if they don't know it at the moment, right? So not only for everyone out there that you come into contact and who might be lifted even momentarily by contact with you, perfect stranger or a friend. But also because in those moments, your own heart is gladdened. Even saying, I like your hat.
Um, I just wanted to, I'm not sure if it's a question, but maybe it's an observation, but this, this concept of cognitive dissonance. Um, so this is a perfect example right now. We're sitting in a really nice space. Um, you know, it's sunny, it's reasonably uh, calm and things are quite manageable and quite peaceful even. Um, and yet at the same time, what you said earlier about the tremor that's that's going around the, the planet at the moment, there's a sense of that as well. And navigating those, navigating what is happening right now with what's maybe to come or with what's yeah. other, other realities that are happening at the same time is creating a dissonance, uh, which I think is ramping up more and more and navigating that the dissonance I think is 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 a, is a really uh, a, 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 perhaps that's one of the great challenges that we're facing right now hey yeah I totally agree yeah yeah and because we're to whatever degree we're willing to feel empathy extended right we will then be vulnerable and I have no quarrel with that <laughs> to having carrying our own heavier load because we're feeling the sorrow and the tremor even if we're not immediately affected by it by ourselves so yes if you're if your awareness is inclusive and you care about strangers who are suffering then um, you have to be prepared to let your heart break a lot. And I think that's the situation we find ourselves in. We're going to be, we are, seeing a lot of heartbreak and feeling a lot of heartbreak. And not just the ordinary, you know, stuff. It's, it is ramping up um, in greater numbers. And so, yes... It is a kind of dissonance, I guess, is one way to see it. Another way to see it, though, is that the spectrum of your own consciousness keeps widening, keeps getting wider and including, you know, that too and that too and that too. So it's the joy and the tenderness and all the sweetness and the moments of small kindnesses, right? And I recommend, especially in this time, gratitude and kindness are, you know, easy, quick hits of happiness. And I also recommend that in carrying a heavier load, you also have to be aware of feeding your own heart and, and taking care of your own emotional state so that you can handle the heavier load. Otherwise, you just stagger under it and fall. So it's, it's fair enough to make sure that you are using your own attention so that you're kind of keeping yourself buoyant and whatever that takes. But I have moments, definitely moments, where I feel just like I can't take on another sorrow in my heart. Um, 
I just found out about our my friend. I just found out yesterday, although the accident happened a week ago. And, um, it, you know, it's, it was, it's hard. It's hard thinking about him in the level of pain that, well, that he's in an almost, they've induced an almost coma, basically. Um, but if his, if his awareness, if his consciousness comes to the fore, he's going to be dealing with pain, extreme pain. And that, on top of everything else, you know, it's like, I, it wasn't like I wasn't paying attention to the rest of it, you know. And um, so there are moments when I feel like I, I'm going to collapse under this today, you know. And then I have to just not, you know. I have to, I mean, I allowed myself some tears, but then I had to, you know, do whatever my own in this case, what I did was I went to gratitude and I went to kind of the feelings of tenderness that uh, I feel with regard to my friend who I haven't seen in a long time. He's been living in India. Um, and he's the brother of another, one of my close friends. And um, so I was feeling into the whole family dynamic, the whole system and the little boys that are there, his nephews are there with him uh, and they're quite young to be experiencing this. All of it was rolling in my heart. And I was forcing my attention at some point to present awareness and to gratitude for my own existence, for the continuation of so much joy in the planet, um, to not just not just look only at the sorrow and not be engulfed by it. But it is the challenge, as you say, of our time. It is what we've got now. It's almost as if that also can force a type of ego death in a way and that, you know, the, the, the ego structure is what's, feeling the weight and the strain and the suffering and a lot of that too, isn't it? And, and, and that's kind of at times being forced to relinquish control. Of, well, let's, I'm not sure what you mean by the ego structure, feeling well, the, the sorrow. The eye, the eye that is, you know, um, trying to direct awareness and mm. that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's possible that that there can be more and more a sense of of the we, right? So it's not so much a heavy duty me program. Um, it's more a sense of we, and in the we, this particular personality, uh, this particular mind body manifestation, has the capacity to direct its own attention. So I always say direct it as needed. You don't have to constantly going around directing your attention. But when you find that your own system is starting to collapse a little bit or to become another body on the pile to be taken care of, then why not use your own attention? Not necessarily see it as coming from an ego place, 
but to see it as a, a just an intelligent use of your attention when you're in a kind of when the mind is going astray, which minds tend to do according to conditioning, um, and then to just float back to present awareness. When I hear you loud and clear, I feel it all the time. This this sense of how like how much how much do I bear witness before it starts to get to me? And and I have to manage that. I have to pull back from it sometimes. Um, I have to put my attention on something completely different. Um, and I, I, while one can still do that, I'm happy to do that. There can come points, I suppose, when the flood is coming in very rapidly. And hopefully then one would have the wherewithal to intelligently use the, the, the intention and the attention. It's a paradox, isn't it? Because in the present moment, things, things are just fine, aren't they? <laughs> well, in this present moment, yeah. 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 In this present moment, but if, if one was laying in a hospital with one's flesh on fire, burning, it wouldn't be as fine. Mm. Or if you're, you've just found out about someone you love has just died or has just been diagnosed with something or, or a particular place that you have loved has just been raised to the ground. You know, we're not, we're not one-dimensional creatures, you know. So, yes, most of the time in present awareness, most of the time for us so far, it's, it's fine, it's great. Um, and yet, because we know we're mortal, we always had that hanging over our heads. <laughs> um, and now we have even more uncertainty hanging over our heads, more than it was heretofore, even in history, I would say. Um, so... What a time, what a time to live, what a time to be paying attention. What a time to be empathic at the cost of that. Yeah. Do you live here in this? Um, I'm uh, about an hour and a half away down in near Yamba. Okay. Um, and in the first week of winter, uh, sorry, the first week out of winter, um, our whole town was nearly wiped out by wildfire. Yeah. So when you said before about, you know, things can uh, change very quickly, that's something that is literally in the air from where where I've come from, wow. and we're, we, you know, we're just starting to kind of come to terms with with all of that. There's a lot of gratitude there as well, yeah. because no properties or lives were lost. Wow! And yet it was also quite traumatic. Yes, 
Yes, I'm sure. <clears throat> I'm sure it's very traumatic. And, and, and that's my point also about we're not one-dimensional creatures, even though, even though the threat is temporarily over, right? The trauma, you know, the, the post-traumatic response can still be there. And, and that's just something we have to understand and work with and not think we have to somehow, you know, transcend it some, some way. Yeah. Yeah. But it's nice to, it sounds like the community came together with each other. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it's like what often happens. There's that sense of communal bonding in the face of tragedy. Yes. Um, a lot of gratitude. Yes. But also, you know, you see that classic grief thing kick in where people also then feel, I wrote after the, after the, after the grief, sorry, after the relief comes grief. Mm. And so then people also, there's the, the anger that can come up and people wanting to blame. And um, so there's a bit of that going on as well, yeah. probably justified because the fire was intentionally started. Mm. Um, and, and at the same time already within the space of three weeks, the grasses are coming back, mm. birds have come in from New Guinea and it's, uh, <laughs> wow. it's, it's, it's very, it's that paradoxical thing. Yeah. 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 Have you had rain? Uh, we've only had a little bit, not yeah. much. There might, there's some coming apparently maybe yeah. on Thursday, Friday, yeah. but yes. yeah, just a little bit that's, that's come through. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting also what you said about the anger thing. Um, someone told me the other day that she, she goes to, um, Extinction Rebellion meetings in Tasmania and one of the leaders there said the kids are angry and the adults are in grief. Mm. It's an interesting, interesting line. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then I guess there's that thing where within grief we look at those classic five stages of Kubler-Ross, yeah. you know, the yeah. first is denial and then the second one is anger. Yeah. Is it possible that that's where the zeitgeist is now moving via the kids into anger? Then we can expect some bargaining to yeah, come up. That's also happening yep. with all the sort of fantasy technologies that yep. people are talking about. And yeah, 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 yep. they're all happening actually. <laughs> and there are people also I would I would propose who are in some forms of acceptance, um, if not every minute of the day, but a lot in terms of a general, a general um, way of feeling into it. Um, but that's pretty hard one, actually. <laughs> it's a, quite a process. <sighs> but there are people, there are, there are people worldwide. Um, I know because they write me letters. They send me emails, <laughs> hundreds. I've had hundreds of emails from people all over the world because I wrote this huge essay. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so people have responded um, who are on that same wavelength. 
and have responded very beautifully. And, you know, with all of the grief that comes with it as well, part of the acceptance is accepting the grief. Mm. There's no, there's really no way around having that. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, all of those stages are playing out in our time. I think for me, I'm kind of toggling between uh, depression and acceptance. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess depression is the fourth stage for acceptance. So it's, it's kind of, there's a sense that maybe that's a tricky one to get the, maybe a lot of people stop there or there's a part of me that wants to sort of backtrack, go back (laughs) into bargaining or anger or whatever. But yeah, yeah, I think that the quickest way out is through. Yeah. 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 Um, And maybe collectively that's that loss of meaning that a lot of people are experiencing during the depression levels of, you know, ramping up. Absolutely. Um, I, I think, I think this is quite an interesting point. Um, I think possibly the depression and acceptance for this particular thing are going to have to be married to each other. That Kubler-Ross's five stages have to do with personal death, right? So I can see how you could come to acceptance of personal death, right? And, and, and even move out of the depression or the sadness or the despair. Um, but in this one, I think that's going to be harder, right? or maybe not even possible. Um, I think that the despair and the acceptance are going to be living um, intertwined. And that's just how it is. Hard, but how it is, at least as far as I can see. As far as I know thus far, and also I sense it in all the letters that I get as well. People who are not fighting anymore about the the fact of the matter. People are not, they're not angry at anybody. They're, in fact, there's no blame, in fact. You know, they, many of the people see that. That this was evolution and here it is. But what a time, what a moment, you know, it's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> have to have this one be our fate, <laughs> you know, and, and, our, and the demand of what we're challenged to have to accept, including our own despair. So, gratitude, kindness understanding, right? Yeah, I have a few questions, so I hope they come out. Um, and I've just, as you know, I've just finished this meditation retreat, so I have a number of kind of observations and questions around that. But the main theme is how the kind of, well, what I observed in myself and other people in the group observed is you, is the movement from being in the present moment 
and even getting to the point where you're kind of not so attached to this sense of self. You know, those moments mm-hmm. when you're actually just in direct experience. Yes. You know, and that can happen without even being aware of it, like in moments of kindness where you're just responsive and things like this. And how beautiful that is and, and um, you know, and in that moment I'm sort of laughing at myself, like why do I spend so much time analysing the self that doesn't exist, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like I've just poured so much energy into fixing it. And then being from in that very open state, and then it's kind of like ricocheting back into this very strong sense of self. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason I bring this up, it, it's the, I, for me, it was around trauma in my body, like baked into my system. And I'm really aware of the trauma in the planet, you know, mm-hmm. it's like baked yeah. into the planet. And, yeah. and there's research saying that, you know, PTSD rates are getting much higher because there's this global PTSD going on, you know. And I'm aware that in grief stages can bring people closer together and you can have this unity. But what I experience personally is actually more separation. So when I contact um, the trauma feelings, it's really hard to be in the present. It's really hard to be open. So the very thing that you want to be present, be here, be connected to nature, to, you know, be in life, Yeah. it's kind of like the defence mechanism of the self is like... Mm-hmm. Too much, mm-hmm. get away, mm-hmm. shut it down. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, yeah, it, it just feels like I'm not really sure how to be with that, you know. So my controlling mind comes in, the psychologist, how do I fix this, do I do, 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 do attention, meditation, da, 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 da. but it doesn't really feel like I, what I'm observing in myself I feel is like a natural process, like there's a threat, there is a threat in yeah. the environment. yeah. There's threats in my own being, you know, or when they when they come up, and the response to that threat is to kind of contract into this self that feels separate and then can't, you yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, maybe you're following what I'm saying. I am. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure though that you can you contract entirely. Mm. You just contract now and again. Mm. So, yeah. so. Each of us, and you've heard me say this probably many times, each of us are working with our own capacity, our own nervous system, our own conditioning, right? And and so you're, in a sense, there's a sort of organic withdrawal as needed mm-hmm. that you're, you're describing as a kind of um, fully into this sense of self, mm-hmm. It's like a shutdown from connection and yeah. not necessarily with people, but just like, like walking out and seeing this is beautiful, but not really feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm just not really going to feel too much of life right now, you know? Okay. And then it feels very gray and, you mm-hmm. know. But then it comes back alive again, doesn't it? It comes back into color at some point. I'm, I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it does, doesn't it? Because you just said you just had this wonderful month of meditation and mm. you've just described that beautiful or that very interesting painting that you just mm. did. And I know that you're planning to do this whole radio mm. thing, addressing all of these kinds of issues. So you're quite engaged, mm. right? So it's not entirely true that you're just, you know, off in a kind of gray hole of self, 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 right? But the quality of my conscious experience is very different internally. So, and I'm aware that it's in relation to 
trauma or threat. And so I sort of feel like I want to find a new way to, like, I don't know if it's possible. It's kind of like, you know how I think there's a, like this automatic kind of like thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, with things in the world, uh, I guess how can I be with challenge in a way that I don't have to abdicate my own experience? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, I Where do. I can stay present because there is still beauty and richness and, and contact even in the midst of great suffering. Yes, know? yes. But that numb shutting down reflex is so strong and it's so sad for me because I want to experience life even if it's shit. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I don't want to actually do this numbing yeah. separate because that's actually the saddest thing is to feel separate from mm-hmm. life. That's mm-hmm. the real suffering. But like, if that sort of happens for you as your sort of protective mechanism that just runs on its own, that you're not deliberately choosing to do that, but it happens, it's just your way. It's your cave that you sometimes go to, right? And okay, I'd say let it be because I... I I again say to you, you you actually don't stay there. You do have many breakthroughs into joy. You sometimes forget them, though. Um, And I think that you also have a natural impulse to be helpful and to be engaged, which you continue to do, right? So to just be careful about saying, I am this way and I'm withdrawn and I'm not, and the world is gray and I don't feel anything and I can't see beauty when I look at it, all of that. It's sometimes true and it's just some kind of mechanism that is arising. Perhaps it's protective. Perhaps it's just. That you, as you're saying it, like it seems obvious, it's just a protective mechanism I need right now to accept that. Yeah. But I think, you know, you get into that spiritual thing of, oh, I'm trapped in myself, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, definitely. As you know, I will say to really let those go. <laughs> but when you don't, when you're not trapped in there, it feels so good. So I know, like, there's course. a real sense of it like, does, but, that, but, that's, but that's okay because it then it haunts you back into wanting to feel it again. You know, it's sort of like you, you know that there's another way to be. Um, but sometimes we all have to go to our caves of various sorts. I do. Right. Sometimes, you know, I have moments where I think, okay, I, I am going to lose it now, <laughs> you know, or I just have to really withdraw, right? Really withdraw, withdraw from people, from news, from any one more task, right? Now, like I said a while ago, I don't know how it will be if I get <clears throat> pressed. You know, if there's a flood of sorrow and of need, people needing help or if there's a fire sweeps through or, you know, I, you know, I don't know. The other thing I really loved, that's really helpful, thank you, mm. just expressing all that because, I mean, sitting little like, in an internal struggle with it. Um, I love how you said about the we, not the me. Mm. So the we story, not the me mm-hmm. story because even in this contraction, I've gone into a big me story mm-hmm, around mm-hmm, it, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh, it's, it just feels like it fills up the space. But part of the contraction, I would say, possibly, um, is because you're feeling into the we story, that you're feeling so much sorrow and tremor in the world. You're paying attention to it, right? So 
part of the of the trauma that you're experiencing is because you have empathy. Right? So as yeah. I'm saying, that we I think I would argue that almost no one can hold the level of the sorrow that is going on. Yeah. Some some can hold more than others, but Everybody has a limit, I would say. How would you define holding holding the sorrow? I guess it would be the way that I feel it is that it's very present in my awareness, right? Very present. Um, so... Depending on the proximity of the person or the situation to my life, then that awareness can be larger, right? If it's my friend who's burned, that's in my awareness, many thoughts, many, 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 many thoughts and feelings in the day. If it's I hear about some terrible thing that's happened in the Middle East or some country I've never been to and people who I don't know and most likely will never meet, I can feel sorrow for them, but not to the same degree as somebody I know and love, right? Nevertheless, I would propose that some people, perhaps many people in the world, when they hear about bad things happening to strangers on the other side, it doesn't impact them much, right? So it's all these degrees of how much are you allowing your own feelings of empathy for how far out does it go? And then also it's possible that you start extending that to the natural world and to the natural creatures, right? The wild creatures, who are being decimated, right? So, you know, as you start to let those in, you know, it's it's very costly to the heart. It is. It's very, you have to have a certain expansion of the heart and be willing to take on a lot of sad feelings. But at some point, you can't just keep doing that or else you'll collapse your own self. You'll, you'll, you'll collapse yourself. Mm. I'm saying everybody's going to have a limit to that. Mm. I mean, I hear about those, you know, those doctors without borders who go to these war zones and they work 20 hours a day, right? Um, amazing, astonishing, you know? And in dangerous circumstances themselves, risking their own life. It's amazing what people, what the human spirit is capable of. For me, just bearing witness is as much as I seem to be able to do at this point. Uh, my experience is that it's the my resistance that creates my suffering. But when I um, Except the sorrow. Mm -hmm. There's a beauty beyond and in that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so that sorrow is how I define it. And then it's the hiddenness of the sorrow that creates my suffering. Mm 
mm-hmm. not when I actually surrender or allow myself to experience it. Yes. But my ego um, has this movement where it's not actually what I'm hiding. It tells me what I'm hiding is what's creating my pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not. I now I my experience is actually it's not that it's actually the hiddenness, the denial basically. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. what creates all my suffering. Creates the the the, the, the boogie man or whatever yeah. like that. No, but once deni- I look upon it, uh, it's uh, it's it's different. So uh, my well, I just want just want to say it's my resistance to it and how much I resist it creates my suffering. So when I am with somebody who's in a lot of suffering. Or I remember having an experience where there was a guy in the surf once a couple of years ago and he nearly drowned and um, I was just one of the one of the people that saw him that he so got out of the he got out of the surf and uh, and after it I I just happened to bump into him in the car park and went up to him and said hey you know I was uh, that was that was a bit interesting because you were in the middle of all these people and. I mean, he was literally this far away from the next person and he had to put up his hand because he was, the rip wasn't there, the rip was here. And I've never seen that. So I've seen it in rivers before, but I haven't actually seen it in the ocean before. And he, um, anyway, I told him about that. But as I was speaking to him, I had this ex- beautiful experience of uh, realising how much I loved him humans <laughs> and it, it was so overwhelming that it I you know my my heart went up in my throat yeah. uh, it was yeah. f- phenomenal experience yeah. now I reckon if I resisted that mm. I would have gone into some sort of maybe I don't know whatever my ego trauma or something like that but it was beautiful because allowing Whatever happened to me, um, it was just such a lovely experience to um, to feel how much I loved my fellow man, mm. and I'd never had that experience before. Mm. I think I'd I'd resisted it actually. Wow! Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I've resisted mm. it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> this has been in the deep. You can find the entire list of In the Deep podcasts at katherineingram.com, where you can also book a private session or make either a one-time or a recurring tax-deductible donation to help with the production costs. Assuming you like these podcasts, we would also appreciate a review wherever you're getting yours. Till next time.